episode 156 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Linger, joined today by Brad Ford, Paul Noonan, and Ryan Topp. We're recording a little bit later than usual after watching the uh, Packers stomp the Lions. So I think we're all in a pretty good spirits right now. That was fun game to watch for sure. Well, don't bury the lead. I mean, the Brewers are up 5-1 in the bottom of the seventh right now, too. Yeah, so. it's, it's a good yes. sports day so far today, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you buried the lead of, unless you're on every other team because every other football team has had their star get injured. That's true. Uh, it has been a disaster <laughs> throughout the NFL today. Just just uh, so many people going out injured over and over and over again. Saquon Barkley, I think, is a torn ACL or Achilles. Um, like every 49er got hurt and they were already yeah. kind of hurt. Raheem Mostert's lost. Garoppolo's hurt. Uh, one of the Boses got hurt and is out for the year, seemingly. Uh, David Montgomery landed on his head and got concussed severely. Oh. It, it, it's rough out there. Yeah, these are a lot of pillars on my fantasy teams. Yikes. So oh, luckily yeah. the Packers got through with Aaron Jones in one piece, but Devontae had to leave early. So yeah, yeah Devontae's it, got a hamstring. It looked like if they weren't up like 20 points, he would have been able to play based he might on have. Him coming back yeah. from the other series. But in good news, we have Daniel Vogelbach, who yes. uh, I wanted to trash, but is single-handedly carrying the Brewers' offense today. Yeah, we're going to get to your guys' apologies for Daniel Vogelbach in a second. No way, uh, I'm not putting that curse <laughs> on him. <laughs> he sucks terribly forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. yeah we have said we can't talk good about anybody on this podcast. <laughs> no. Before we get started, we want to remind you we're sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know the great beers like Block Party and their flagship fantasy factory, IPA. The next time you're in Madison, stop by the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard that's on the east side of Madison. You can also get a 20% discount on some Carbon 4 merch online just by listening to us here on this podcast. Go to Carbon4.com. Use our promo code MKE Tailgate when you check out. That's Carbon 4 beer brilliance you can also help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash mke tailgate for just five dollars a month our ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra with ryan and brad as well as paul's reporting as eligible mini pods you get a preview of the packers game every week now that we're in football season paul said the lines were bad and look at that they turned out to be very bad if you listen to the mini pod i also mentioned that they have a, a down depth chart wide receiver named marvin hall who's a bit of a speed you nailed that he caught a touchdown Caught a touchdown today on a very nice route um with cephas taking more of a backseat so just uh somebody to keep on your deep roster if you need somebody i think he'll start to get more time as the lion season goes on breaking news someone broke into fenway <laughs> yeah yeah that's happening right now what? right oh wow yeah He's like throwing stuff from like the upper deck area. <laughs> yeah, there's been a bunch of people joking that he's going to take the ninth for them. So <laughs> <laughs> he's like five feet away. Help. He's yeah. like five feet away from the center field camera guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Brewers had a guy break in and joyride around. We talked about that during the during the whole shutdown and everything that yeah joy right. rode around on the uh, the mower right. Yeah, but then the park was closed. The game is being played by, against New York and Boston right now. <laughs> they, they're actually in Boston playing a game. Holy cow. Wait, they're not playing the night game? A, a Yankees-Red Sox game did not end up being the it's ESPN. Not the Sunday night game. I know. How the hell did that happen? Are they just doing a featurette on Molina? <laughs> <laughs> As we speak right now, well, at least put this to tape right now, we have Ryan Braun stepping to the plate for what? could be his last uh, at-bat for the the Brewers in Milwaukee. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But first of all, we mentioned Big Dan Vogelbach. He hit two home runs on Sunday. So, Brad, I want you to personally apologize to him right now for spreading the slander 
that you did when the Brewers acquired him. According to this podcast, I haven't spread any slander. Oh, no, I on Twitter and in the article. <laughs> I, I made it sure you were gone that week, but I made it sure that uh, that that Paul and Ryan's words were that week were yours and, and not theirs. So, <laughs> yeah, well, he has a uh, 180 WRC plus in the uh, blue and gold and uh, is looking pretty good. But as as Paul mentioned, I'm not talking good about him. He still came in as a, you <laughs> yep. know, 88 or 84 hitter. He's garbage and he's never, ever going to do good. And I don't care. He he also, because apparently anytime anyone mentions him, we have to say fat man. So fat guy, which is my favorite part of watching people celebrate him on Twitter, because like for some reason, people can't comprehend that this man who can hit a baseball to Florida more quickly than a jet can get there is just good at baseball. They all have to be like, Bah, he's fat. <laughs> if you want yeah. an opposite curse, everyone on the Brewers who I've seen play a minor league baseball game is tearing it up right now. So there, there's, <laughs> there's two of them, Dan Vogelbach and Tyrone Taylor, and it was the same game. But um, uh, that maybe that's the new the new curse is just if I saw you play in single A ball, then you're now an awesome major league baseball player. Uh, looks like we're getting Paul season tickets to the Timber Rattlers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, we mentioned Ryan Broad. He uh, Legged out an infield hit in that at bat. So if that's his last at bat in Miller Park, Vogelbach's we'll hitting yeah. with the bases loaded. So if you hear yes. us all explode, you'll know what happened. Oh yes. my god, I'm so far behind you guys. I hate <laughs> streaming TV. It's the streaming thing. They yeah. already know if he home run, if he hit a home run, Paul. They already know exactly. Exactly. That's true. They'll just get to listen to us live. But Big Dan also playing first base on Sunday. He, he I don't know if you guys saw in the middle of the Packer game, but he he. he had some quick hands there at first base and, and he's, he's turning into a real five tool player as our friend Jack Stern at Brewer crew ball uh, noted out with a very nice uh, video he posted on Twitter. So check that out. But yeah, it, it's just fun. You know, obviously he's Dan Vogelback. He's not going to keep doing this forever, but uh, it's just fun to see right now. Yeah, and you know, exactly. And everybody loves a good Matt stairs looking dude hitting home runs. So <laughs> Right. This uh, is just like when like Sexton came back and all that. Like it's just like, hey, guy who wasn't supposed to be good is just crushing every ball thrown at him. It's fun. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, as we record this, the Brewers are up on Kansas City right now. Had a pretty good weekend against the Royals. Uh they came into Sunday tied with the Reds and the Giants for the eighth playoff spot and were just one game behind the Cardinals for that uh important second spot in the NL Central. So Obviously, a, a make-or-break week coming up, and luckily the Brewers' eight remaining games after Sunday are going to be against the teams that they need to pass in the standings, right? Uh, three against the Reds and five against the Cardinals. You remember last week, the Brewers took three of five from St. Louis, and they're three and four against the Reds so far this week, or this year, I should say. Uh, so I guess question number one, uh, what's going to? how do you guys see this week playing out? What's the deciding factor going to be in this last stretch here, Ryan? I mean, I have to feel like they're pulling it all together here. It it looks good. I am I'm cautiously optimistic, but I always am this time of year. Until I'm proven wrong, I guess that's just the way I'm going to go. I mean, they're good at finishing off seasons, so there's that. They really just need the offense to be good for a week, <laughs> and that, that should do the trick. <laughs> right, exactly. They've done. They've gotten all this way, and been and and they're basically in a playoff spot, playing the worst offense that we've ever seen. So. All they need is a week-long hot streak from, like, four guys. <laughs> and if they get that, they'll have a winning record because their pitching is legit good and their bullpen is incredible, and that'll push them in. So uh, I'm pretty optimistic 
they've been bad all season. It's not like they're due or anything like that, but they, they've started to come together a little bit occasionally offensively, notwithstanding a thing we'll talk about later that happened earlier this week. But like a, a nice five-run game where they've had pressure on the Royals consistently. That's and five right now. Yeah, five. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> ah, we thanks to Big Dan. Yes, yeah, Vogelbach yeah. just struck out. But uh, that, that's a, that is a perfectly reasonable baseball score to put on the board. <laughs> so uh, that's all I want is five runs every game, and that should do it. So I think that'll happen. It, it's not like the Reds and the Cardinals are these great world-beating teams. They're not. They're perfectly vulnerable. I, I think maybe they're getting hot at the right time. So we'll see. I, I hope that's what happens. That's what I'm rooting for. I'll be watching every single game, regardless of what I have to do, because I really want them in. But uh, uh, that's all it takes. Just offense. Just a little bit. Not even much. Yeah, and right now, the Reds are kicking the crap out of the White Sox, who are a much better team than the Reds. And the Cardinals are just getting underway. So hopefully the Pirates can upset the Cardinals and help us out a little bit there. But the Cardinals still have a little wealth of uh, double headers to catch up on yet, don't they? And a random game where they might be playing to make up that game with Detroit if it ends up being relevant to the season. Yeah, they won't make up the Tigers game unless it's kind of necessary for the standings, which, you know, at this point, it looks like it might actually be. Yep. Uh, so, it, you know, it all depends on on what happens probably with that last season-ending series with the Brewers, those five games. But it, I, there's a decent chance that they'll have to fly in the Tigers to play one more game at the end of the year. And isn't that just how every Brewer season lately has to go? It has to be decided at the wire. That's how we roll. And also worth noting that the Tigers with a brand new manager because Gardy retired this week spontaneously. Yeah, that was really weird. Just out of nowhere, out of the blue. I guess it probably didn't come out of the blue for them. But yeah, it sounds like he's been having longstanding health problems that came to a head at some point this week. So not COVID related, at least that we know of. But, uh, you know... Ron Garnheyer has been managing uh, kind of forever at this point yeah. um, and getting up there a little bit. And it sounds like he's just, uh, he needs to take it some time for himself and his family. So, but you know, it, it's weird how, how these things kind of come to impact the brewers um, regardless of what other teams and what other leagues they deal with, because the Tigers might end up playing a pretty big role in this and they're in a weird spot. Yeah. So what do you guys prefer the outcome though is for the brewers postseason? Do you want the eight <laughs> or the six? Well, I I know Brad wants to miss the playoffs altogether, but we'll, we can get I, to that. I, that has been a secret I've been keeping from the public, James. <laughs> oh no, you you're you've been pretty open about like if they're gonna suck this year, at least this is the year. So. Whoa! Real, the real quick, breaking news it doesn't matter because you won't hear this until later. But the the Chargers lied about who was starting the game for them at quarterback and are starting I, Justin Herbert. I just looked up and saw Justin <laughs> Herbert on my and screen. And I was the like, the only reason I mentioned it is because I love it when people lie about starting lineups in baseball and in football. <laughs> so, so that just happened they pulled the councils that's fun but so do we want the if my ideal is to get a top 10 pick because i really really like the players coming into this draft <laughs> because like you're looking at a collection of coll collegiate pitchers who are really exciting uh, and unfortunately they didn't just tank and get the one like i told them to do <laughs> i tried to dip zip <laughs> but and I don't really care about a 60-game season, but also if I had the opportunity to get more baseball, I want more baseball. So the prospect lover in me would like more prospects, but it is what it is, uh, and I will happily enjoy a playoff team. But do you want to play the Dodgers first or the Braves mm -hmm. first? 
The Braves. The the Braves? <laughs> pretty, pretty obviously. Yeah, I mean, the I Braves, like, please. I kind of feel like the Brewers, I mean, the Dodgers offense is obviously insane and you don't want to face them. But if you're going to play, you have to play them at some point in the playoffs, period, right? Wouldn't you get rather have a three-game series? Well, we shouldn't overlook here that if you get the six, there's there's a puncher's chance you end up playing the Cubs. Right. And which I think is the dream scenario for that's the what Brewers, you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and the, the Cubs will just have a panic attack if that happens. So that's, <laughs> so that's what you're that's what you should be rooting for is for the Cubs to to drop just a hair and for the Brewers to get that six spot and play them in the first round and drive them crazy. Well, I'd love to see them try to, like, run Alec Mills out there for, like, a decisive game three. And for the Brewers <laughs> to just torch him when there's no no reason on earth they should actually try to get away with that. But they would try because he had a no hitter the last time he faced them. So they would do that, even though it was kind of a, a garbage no hitter, which I guess we could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The Dodgers question is interesting, though, because, yeah, in a three game series, you run Burns and Woodruff out there and it, it, that gives you a puncher's chance at least does, in two out of the does. three games. Right. I, I like, would I would rather have a three game series against them than a five or a seven. That's true. That's a good point. Sure. And you haven't the seen the Dodgers this year. You know, like the playoffs will be the time where you get some of these matchups. It's the first time you see a team all year, too. So mm -hmm. we're going to see a bunch of weird stuff happen in the playoffs. That's an interesting question. But I guess, do we think the Brewers are going to make the playoffs? <laughs> How do you <laughs> think this next week is going to play out? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different factors, exterior factors. But I mean, when it comes down to it, if the Brewers keep winning they're basically going to be in one way or another. So I, Paul, do you think that they'll end this week in one of those a spots? I do. I think that they'll get enough offense to make it happen. I just think the, their opponents aren't good enough to keep them out and their pitching has been so lights out. And, you know, last week of the season council will go all out on using, using the bullpen to its best advantage too. So it, this is the, the situation they're built for that they've been good at for a couple of years now. And if they just get some breaks on offense and, you know, if Vogelbach can be good for another eight games and uh, Yelich is, by the way, again, this whole season is small sample size garbage, but small sample size garbage. Yelich has actually been good for about a week now. Um, his splits over the last week are good. He might be coming around a little bit. If that happens, that's huge. So uh, there's, there's some, at least an, there's some signs here. I, I like what I'm seeing for the last week and the trends that, we see happening so i'm optimistic that they'll make it not 100 convinced but I, I like the odds ryan what are your thoughts yeah i think that there's a pretty good chance that they do make it like we said at the beginning of all this eight teams in the nl it is kind of a cluster down there at the bottom it's not like the al sure where everything is. is really separated like i think is there even a, a question of who makes it at this point are there is there a, even a fight for the eighth seed in the al it's basically just a split league like either you're really good or you're really bad i stopped paying attention honestly so, to that once the yankees started winning again so oh yeah they, yeah, yeah. That got less it, fun it, it, it would technically a, happen yeah it can but, happen but it's pretty well said at this point um it, it, the closest team is the mariners they're three back of being in the playoffs and it, that's a lot for a team like the mariners to make up in a very short yeah, amount of time right in a week games yeah you're you're talking about a very short period of time yeah, it, it remember a few episodes ago, we talked about how, you know, it's possible Baltimore can jump over the Yankees, but the problem with that happening is that Baltimore is Baltimore and the Yankees are the Yankees and Baltimore is now four and a half out <laughs> with a few games to play. And, right. you know, that's what happens in these scenarios most of the time. Yankees got healthy again and they started winning. Yeah. Look at that. So, yeah. 
So yeah, AL is pretty much set. We'll see. I mean, obviously the Brewers are going to be very much involved in the bottom of the NL race. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, the pessimist in me was like, watch them lose two or three to the Royals and then have a winning week against the Reds and the Cardinals because that seemed like a very Brewers thing to happen. Uh, but now it looks like they're, I mean, they at least won a weekend series with Kansas City, uh, potentially sweeping them. Who knows what happens in the in the three games with the Reds? I mean, those have been all very close games too. With the, the Cardinals series last week too, I, all of those games are pretty close. So... I think it's almost a coin flip at this point. I don't know what the Fangraphs odds are right now or whatever, but like, I don't know. I, I could see it happening because you get that stupid Craig, Craig Timber magic going, and and <laughs> who knows what happens? You know, it it might be coming a little bit later this year, but it seems to still be showing up, and they're in this last week despite everything. So. I mean, it was proportional to how long the season was, right? Apparently. It's, oh right, I thought I saw issue. that. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 getting a. Uh, what 2.7 of a uh, Craig Timber this year. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and the Brewers control their own fate right now. They, they they're playing the teams that are ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And in the last few seasons, when given that opportunity, they have taken it and run and managed their way into a perfect situation. It's hard just to not see them doing that again. Yeah, I guess we'll find out uh, over the next, few uh days here but in the meantime we did mention this a little bit earlier looking back to last week uh right after we recorded last week's episode the brewers went out and got no hit by alec mills which uh as the guy said (laughs) was a bit of a garbage no hitter i think mills got what like five swinging strikes all game and yeah and it it was bad the number of balls that got absolutely insane yeah the number of balls that got barreled up was just ridiculous it was like double digits and for none of that to get through was pretty, pretty obscene. And, you know, I don't want to sound like Bleacher Nation, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, it's one thing to sound like Bleacher Nation and just whine about everything, but uh, just objectively speaking, it, it's one of the most, most unlikely no-hitters to ever have happened. Yeah. You no-hitters know, are the result of people missing lots of bats, so balls don't go and play. And then, you know, a few a few lucky breaks here and there for diving catches and whatnot. Um, that's how no hitters typically happen. This one, he didn't miss bats at all. And like a ton of balls got hit really, really hard and just happened to find gloves. It, this, this type of no hitter won't happen again for like a century. And uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's dumb enough to read too much into it about Alec Mills or anything else, but <laughs> there's no lesson to take away from this other than just baseball junk happens sometimes. So it, it's not even one of those, like where you can really blame the Brewers offense for being that bad. They actually hit some hard balls. It's just, which is one of those things that happened. So garbage, no hitter. And I think that's the appropriate term for it. Um, no, you can blame the pitching you'll... for giving up 12 runs. That's the, uh, okay. That's the like part. losing the game is a whole separate. I mean, thing. they were going to lose but, anyway, but yeah, yeah, they were, but, but in terms of, you know, the no hitter itself, uh, just one of those, that's going to be forgotten forever. And maybe referenced as a no hitter that shouldn't have happened on fan graph retrospectives in the future when they dig into things like that. It's not quite Edwin Jackson's like six or eight walks or whatever, right? So no, I, didn't AJ Burnett walk ten or something? There was one. I think he did have a ten walk no hitter. Yeah. Uh, so like that's uh, that's one of the most fraudulent. I think the most fraudulent is the was it Levon Hernandez with the 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 giant strike zone no hitter. 
what was that? The, you're talking about the was playoff it, game with Eric Gregg? Because that's the one everybody remembers. I I don't remember. I think you're yeah, thinking he, the NLCS where, yeah, you struck out like 16 or yeah. something like that. And it was the ridiculous strike zone. I don't. It, I could be wrong. I don't know if LeVon ever pitched a no-hitter, though. No, Why man. are you guys disrespecting the Angels combined no-hitter that they lost to the Dodgers so badly? Good one. I saw that. <laughs> I totally forgot about that game until it was referenced on Saturday night when the Brewers were winning one to nothing with no hits. And uh, I was desperately rooting for that to happen because, again, it would have been a 2020 Brewers thing to do is to win while being no-hit. Uh, I don't know. I- it- I unfortunately, I fortunately, I guess, saw none of it because I was at a surprise party for my siblings. Very safe, very distanced, you know, very intelligent surprise outdoor party. Uh, But then, like, I looked at my phone to finally check things after, like, things started calming down. It was like, oh, Brewers got no hit. And that was the extent of it. That was all, like, the only way I found out. I was busy grilling. Good news, yeah. Yeah, grilling or like people were paying attention to the Packers game. It was opening weekend for the Packers too. So nobody was really watching, I don't think. Right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, looking back at that game was like one of the, like Paul said, definitely a garbage no hitter. And it was like when you're playing a video game and it's just like the CPU decides like, screw you, you are losing this game no matter what you do kind of thing. Like that's the way that one felt. I don't know. For a while there this year, it, it seemed like something that was inevitable. <laughs> now, how many games did the Brewers have where they were being, though, hit through four or five innings? So it almost seemed like inevitable that eventually it would happen. It just. Well, a lot of, of those, they legitimately a... looked like garbage. Yeah. And so, in like, this of course, case... the actual no hitter happened when they were actually stinging the ball, right? They were fine. Yeah. It just, like, yeah, there's no way that should have been a no hitter. They would have lost, but it shouldn't have been a no hitter. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I I have a question here. Like, was this rock bottom for the office? But like you guys said, it wasn't even like they performed that badly at the plate. They just didn't get anything to fall in. So it's it's hard to fault them too much for that. They've had way worse offensive performances this year than that no hitter. Right. Not not that it was good, but you know, it was. They've had somewhere they just hit no balls into play hard and struck out like fifteen times plus and. Those well, I think worse. there's been games where it's like Hira and Yelich combined for seven Ks. And then like you have one yeah. infield hit from Orlando Arcia. And those are the ones that like really sting. This was just bad, bad, bad luck gone wild. Yep. And, and it was just like the cap to a really frustrating weekend against the, the Cubs. It was a series they probably should have won uh, without, you know, Josh Hader blowing the save in, in one of those games. And then he cap it off by getting no hit. It just, wasn't a fun weekend overall, but I guess luckily they seem to turn it around pretty well in the last week here, and and they still have uh they're in prime position to make a run here. Those two Monday games against the Cardinals, have you ever seen a death march of a doubleheader quite like that before? I mean, they both went no. to extras, so that was you know one thing, but my God, was that just like the biggest? I mean, kick that in first the game, they yeah, that first game, they still seemed like they were suffering some sort of like no hitter hangover, right? Like they. Yep just did not look like they believed in themselves at all. And then suddenly uh, they stole the second game and they're all good. So imagine getting like, you're like, cool. We, we just suffered through a no hitter. We're going to do a double header, but at least we only got to play 14 innings. And then you somehow <laughs> make it as you long still as you play possibly. the two full long. Games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That was, that uh, was a hell of a thing. It, again, just it, it, it figures this year, right? Well, a, Big reason why the Brewers are still in this thing is Corbin Burns continues to pitch 
incredibly well. Uh, he had another six shutout innings on Saturday night. Well, just shy of double-digit strikeouts. He had a couple of long at-bats there in the fifth or sixth inning that kind of set him off course. Still finished with nine strikeouts, though, and no walks, which, again, I, you know, we were talking earlier in the season the walks were a thing, and that's largely disappeared in September. Uh, he's got, I think, only one earned run all month, if I'm remembering correctly. So now he he is like legitimately among the league leaders in almost every pitching category. Yeah. He's first in the NL in uh, Fangraphs WAR at 2.6. He's first in ERA at 177. First in K9 at 13.34, which is a ridiculous number. And he's first in uh, K percentage overall at 37.6%. So some like eye-popping numbers here for Corbin Burns. And it kind of leads to him maybe being, I guess, a dark horse candidate for Cy Young. I guess, Brad, am I insane? Am I just going crazy for Corbin right now? No, I think it's logical. However, I think the issue is there's pitchers with a lot more attention to them or on them, like a, a Zach Wheeler, who has a lot more clout to his name, or, or then there's the Braves who have a lot more attention on them in a max freed. So you're looking at players that I think, or a Trevor Bauer, even mm -hmm. where you, yes, you have. I saw that, that eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to make sure it was in my voice. Um, <laughs> so you have these situations where he definitely is deserving and should be a top three Cy Young vote winner. But the problem is, as much as they've tried to fix it lately, the voting for the awards is still broken and still like relies on these arbitrary things that really shouldn't be considered when you're looking at it. So it gets hard to expect someone like Burns, who kind of quietly has been as dominant as he is, uh, which is uh, something I always thought is a stupid term because with all the ways to analyze players' performances, no one should really have a quiet, good season that you should just like <laughs> be able to notice it. But when you're like, I mean, war for pitchers on baseball reference has burned 10th uh, um, in the NL behind mm. Freed, Wheeler, Bauer. And those are all guys with a lot more attention just because of who they are in the t uh, teams they play for. So it gets hard to really have that expectation that they'll do that. And then, too, you look at other minute things that people are going to dock him for like, you know, innings pitched ends up being a huge thing where he's gone pretty deep into games for the Brewers, but they want to see the, you know, more than one seven inning pitched game that sure. he had all season. Yep. And you have, you know, only three of six or more. Yeah. Four of six or more. Looking at like Shane Bieber, you can see, okay, so he has 72.1 innings and that's got to lead the league. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, Bieber's yeah. going to win the AL Cy Young. I think that's pretty much locked I think that's in, pretty right? much yeah. a lock, yeah. But Burns is at 56, which isn't terrible. I think that he might get a little bit of uh, a little bit of credit because he was taken out of the rotation for a couple turns there at the beginning of the season, remember? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he does have relief appearances this year, so it's not quite... It, it shouldn't be held that badly against him. Yeah, he has, he has 11 games at this point and eight games started, so he's pitched three times out of the bullpen. So... Yeah. That 11 or 21 strikeouts in back-to-back -back appearances, even though the second one was only four and two thirds was just like the moment where you're like, Holy crap. He's yep. become something special. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really something. And they really have a lot going on at the top of this uh, rotation, but I'll come back to that 
in a moment. Paul, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, he's he's really slated for sort of the down ballot votes for people who you know are looking to nerd out a little bit. But there's just too many people above him um, with uh, higher profiles and and similar mm-hmm. stats that are going to steal it. So he'll he'll get some votes. He's also going to lose some probably to Devin Williams for <laughs> any any nerds who want to just go for you know peak reliever votes, which happens a couple times every year. Um, not not that splitting the vote will cost him the award, not at all. But you know, there's a lot going on on the Brewers pitching staff, and it, it's hard to pick out who you want to, you know, give the best pitcher on the team award to, let alone the best pitcher in baseball award to. So, speaking of what you're just saying, Paul, there's a lot going on on the Brewers pitching staff. I was yeah playing with Fangraphs leaderboards today, and. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to do DRA for this and see how they stacked up that way, but it's not out there yet. So uh, I went to FIP and on the uh, if you if you search by the pitchers who have 20 innings to qualify, the Brewers have three of the top seven pitchers in FIP. And it is absolutely bonkers. You have Devin Williams, who's leading the league in FIP with a point zero eight four. You have Corbin oh, wow. Burns at fifth with a 1.79, and you have Freddie Peralta at 1.98. And what really, really got me was I, I looked at this and I said, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then I realized if you told me before the year we'd have three pitchers in the top seven for whip at this point, mm. and neither one would be Josh Hader or uh, Brandon Woodruff. I would have been <laughs> beyond mystified. Yep. So they are really, really getting some incredible pitching performances this year. And as I say this, of course, Brett Suter gives up a two-run homer. <laughs> he, he did. Well, That's why Big Dan's second home run was was so big. It was important, yes. Yes. He gave it up to Mondesi? No, Perez. No, Perez. Perez. I'm that far behind? Yes. <laughs> God you damn are. it, streaming. If you, if you give a homer on up to Adalberto Mondesi, so you should probably two out. be DFA'd, but anyway. So they just have to get one more out yeah, before two-run yeah. score here. We're not terrified yet but no worth no. noting mondesi just flew out guys <laughs> look i live in a different state and i'm streaming too get better inter- get better internet man i have great internet <laughs> i have 250 megs per second <laughs> josh Hader's warming for some reason which uh seems like a waste but anyway yeah. i mean back on topic i've been uh you know driving the corbin burns bandwagon all year but yeah even i can't really imagine him getting too much of a fair shake when it comes to the the Cy Young stuff just cut the like, favorite like has Bauer. to be Bauer right sorry but like the favorite has to be Bauer he has two complete game shutouts he has the lead in strikeouts think, and he has a one yeah. ERA I, if the Reds get a playoff spot I think for sure he's probably yep. up there otherwise yeah you're probably looking at Freed right I don't I haven't looked at DeGrom even though the Mets have been terrible if he's pitching like DeGrom too you, you can't cut that out but yeah, I, it, it's just, I, and I don't think the voters are going to give kind of like a weird breakout year like Corbin Burns the award just on the chance that it's seen as kind of a fluke, right? He's going to have to come back next year and prove this again either way. Yeah. Uh, but you're, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like the voters aren't going to be like, yeah, Corbin Burns, 2020 Cy Young. And then it's one of those things you look back in 10 years wondering like what the hell happened there you know uh confirmed degrom is pitching like degrom 209 era with a 501 fit uh 80 strikeouts and 56 innings and 14 walks oh boy Uh, he's the only thing is if you're uh stats nerd bauer has some back end stats that show he's might not be that good 
the other guy I think could steal it away from Corbin is you Darvish, uh, especially with seven wins. It leads the league. He has a one eight six ERA. Yeah, he's been good. K's and seventy three inning pitch or sixty three inning pitched, and they're a division winner. Like all these arbitrary BS things that people consider yeah. like voting. But I think in a year like this, like those arbitrary things are going to end up being tiebreakers. Like as yeah. dumb as that is, but like <laughs> in a year where we don't know anything, I think you're going to have a lot of people lean on those crutches. And yeah. I don't know who's voting for what award this year. But and and Hader, Hader has entered Hader. the game, by the way. Great. It is now dangerous. I mean, this is going to be the Ben Sheets 2004 Cy Young Award, right? It'll be <laughs> something like that. that yeah, is, I mean, it's definitely not a bad call, except I do think a lot of people at the top have, have you know, have good cases. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. like Trevor Bauer, but that's a pretty good case for Trevor well, Bauer. The only thing with Ben Sheets in 2004 was Randy Johnson definitely should have been the Cy Young winner over yes, yeah. Roger Clemens. So it should have been Randy Johnson and Ben Sheets second if you're looking at quality of performance. Indeed. Yeah. I, I mean, either way, it, I think we've got to be like thrilled with the way Corbin Burns has kind of turned things around. Absolutely. You know, and, and just watching him, like the even outside of the numbers and the production that he he's putting up on on his B ref page like that. Just watching the pitches, they look different this year too. Like he's clearly he spent all winter at the pitching lab or at the training complex. He's he's put in the work, and you're actually kind of seeing that pay off, which is really fun to see. And that cutter is just obscene. The cutter is is a game changer for him. That is what if you can is put totally different a ninety five mile an hour cutter on the outside corner yeah. and then hit <laughs> someone in the back of the knee. Ugh. <laughs> When when guys break through, there's always a reason. It's not just like the biggest difference in like how analytics treat people versus how regular old watching treats people is, you know, some guys will get hot for two weeks and normal people will just be like that guy's breaking out. When real breakouts happen, we can usually identify the cause. And with him, that's the cause. Like Mm -hmm. it's clear as day when you look at it. That's a great pitch. He's throwing more often very accurately. And there's no reason to think he'll go back uh, or he'll regress because he has it now. It's a weapon, and we know it's a weapon. So that's always good to see on your guys. He has a fastball that isn't high and straight. It's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly. And I mean, like you you joke, but it's also kind of changed the profile of the batted balls that he's allowing, too. You know, like on Saturday night, he only had two or three fly balls, period, in those six innings, which is a drastic change from what we were seeing from him last year when he was very fly ball dependent. So, yep. so when I was looking this up though, I found a stat that I think is still just hysterical. I want to share that doesn't involve the brewers uh, because I found that Burns was six in base on balls in the NL. Um, so I was like, all right, who else is the leader in walks? The leader is Robbie Ray in the NL who hasn't been on the diamondbacks in 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, not ideal for Robbie Ray as an impending free agency, but might actually be ideal for David Stern's pursuit of him. The Brewers have pursued him. He is going to be the guy where they're going to be like, hey, Robbie, one year, six million. We have this picture that will fix you. We'll fix you, yeah. And then you'll go and you'll sign a multi-year. Like, look what we did for uh, Yasmani Grandal, and look what we did for Moose. Oh, good, they won. (laughs) We can all all relax. (laughs) Um, No doubt about it. Yeah, I, I just he seems like the exact one year candidate that David Stearns is going to try to chase down because Very. he's been just so god awful this year. Even with the Blue Jays, he's been just as miserable. I think, as Paul said the other week, very 
a very David Stearns signing with Robbie <laughs> Raby. Yes. Him and Jake Lamb are your off-season additions. So, yeah, I as as good as uh, Burns has been and Woodruff too, I do think there are other pieces of the rotation that are kind of struggling, and that kind of leads us to our first Patreon question from Jay Google, asking about Adrian Hauser, who again had just a really rough outing uh, the other day against Kansas City. The, the Brewers are able to come back and, and still win a game, but man, that first inning against Kansas City was rough. Jay's asking, uh, what do you think Hauser's role is going to be going forward down the stretch and even for next year? Do you move him to the pen or do you give him another shot in the rotation despite despite the terrible splits? And Paul, I'd, you're shaking your head and I know you've been on Hauser's splits for weeks now. So yep. what, what's your take on that? He's going to get penned um, because those splits are too exploitable. And in the playoffs over the last week of the season, uh, maybe they'll ride him one more, but um, there's too much you can do with those splits. And he hasn't been good enough. He hasn't been able to adjust out of them. And uh, compounding that for him is he is a useful bullpen piece because of those splits. They have a lot of options that they can throw into the starting rotation. Once they get past double header hell, if they make the playoffs, they can, they'll shorten things up. So that's his, in the playoffs for sure. He's a, he is a bullpen piece. And once you get closer to the end of the season, I think he'll also be a bullpen piece for the same reason. Well, we should talk about that. It isn't on the rundown, but we should talk about the fact that it was announced this week that the postseason is going to be played with no off days during the series until you get to the World Correct. Series. So you are going to be looking at needing to have, I would guess, five rotation starters. Now, the Brewers always do weird things anyway, they do, so right? they will probably be able to work around that. But it is not going to be the the same old way, which they're actually well set up for with the deep pitching staff that they have mm-hmm. where they can run out. It looks like Corey Knable, his last few outings have been impeccable and has looked really good. And Drew Rasmussen is really seeming to round into form here and looking pretty good as well. They have a very, very deep bullpen. And so they should be able to weather that better than some teams. But the question is still going to be, where are you going to get the bulk innings sort of at the front of things? And my guess is they could try to do something with Hauser where you perhaps you, you piggyback yep. him behind a Brett Suter or behind a uh, start wise. Oh, uh, um, our other left-handed. Start, Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You could, you could piggyback him that way and, be able to get him more right-handed batters, especially if you if you kind of do that in the middle of the game where teams don't want to do a complete roster flip at that point. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more cautious about that. And it will be interesting because teams in the past have generally gone to larger benches in the postseason. This year, they're going to need to carry pitching. Yeah. Every yep. team is going to be carrying just a ton of pitchers into the postseason because they have to, because they're going to have to cover those innings in a way that they weren't prepared for at all. And I don't know. Did you guys have a problem with MLB just like dropping that on everybody after the the trade deadline happened and like just kind of out of nowhere? Like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to do this in a way that we've never done it before. (laughs) It's annoying, but it's like par for the course for baseball this year. They're they've just been making it up as they go along the entire year anyway. So what the hell is one more thing? What the hell is like? Yeah, I mean, it is Calvin Ball. So uh, (laughs) Calvin Ball. Yeah, we're 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 doing like uh, regional playoffs and no off days and screw you guys. <laughs> well, I also love the fact that they're like, hey, we're gonna have these playoff bubbles, but we might see if fans can come in. And it's like, do you know what a bubble is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be super clear, the the baseball playoff bubble is is not a bubble. Right. It's not like correct. the NBA where they're restricted and all of that stuff. It, it's basically just uh, 
everybody's on the longest road trip of their lives. So, <laughs> I mean, and they are doing a bunch of things with it. They've already taken and sequestered everybody. So if you're at home right now, like the Brewers, they've had to move to hotels as of this weekend, I believe was minor. Did you see um, Casey Sogard's tweet on that? Yes, indeed. Not happy. So that is a really weird situation where she was understandably upset because, yeah, they have to sequester for a week ahead of time. Eric Sogard has not been playing very much recently. So she was saying her choice is to like be alone with what do they have three or four kids or something like it's basically like be alone with the kids for a week plus to maybe see Eric play sporadically or just miss the playoffs altogether. Like it's a very difficult decision for families to make at this point too. I completely agree. It's rough and the way they've handled some of the stuff has not been ideal from a communication standpoint. But I also do get why they're doing it. Like, this does make sense from a perspective of you want to get all the players into the bubble. And by the way, if they hadn't done this already, the Brewers have. So every team gets to take their 28 man roster, as well as 12 players who are going to be basically considered the taxi squad. Mm -hmm. And all those players are, are gone. And you heard that up at Camp Appleton, we had an outbreak this weekend. So, so. You know, if they hadn't already done that, there would be potentially an issue there. This is why they're doing it is they want to make sure that the playoffs go off. And remember, the real reason that that is, is this is where the owners are making their money. They spent money and lost a lot of money throughout the regular season. They're hoping to recoup that during the postseason because they need the postseason to go off without a hitch. Mm -hmm. So they need those games. They need that inventory to fulfill their TV contracts so that they can make back some of this money. And so that's why you're seeing them doing what they're doing, which is taking no risks and being as aggressive as possible, which, I mean, I can't say I blame them for that, but it is not ideal if you're a person trying to live through that situation and not being communicated with weeks in advance about it is, you know, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That is all annoying, but uh, I like, they're doing the right thing by doing that and, and sequestering and, and keeping the rules very strict. And, um, well, I, I sympathize with not being able to be with your family. Like th- these are also baseball players with huge amounts of resources for the most part. Sogard certainly has huge amounts of resources mm-hmm. and, you know, it, in the grand scheme of things, not that big of an impediment. No, um, really, really not. It's a short term, like annoyance difficulty, you know, but yes, in the grand scheme of things. Sure. Absolutely. I guess, Brad, I want to get back to Adrian Hauser. Do you think he's in the rotation next year? Or do you think the, the lefty-righty split thing is is kind of going to force the Brewers' hand here? I think it definitely forces their hand at the end of this season. I think you have to look more, like Paul said, look more strategically at how you use him. However, he has some very effective pitches that just have not been, that have been very strong in the past that have not been as effective this year at assisting him in the success he had previously. So I think the Brewers are going to look at that and still see a valuable pitcher who has a starting pitcher's, uh, you know, makeup. So you see a guy who has the pitches that he has and can use them in the way that he does. You throw him in the pitching lab and hope better things come. I think that's going to be their solution a lot of times when they see a guy they believe who can be a pretty strong pitcher. The big thing for him is his changeup has just been very ineffective against left-handers this year. I mean, most yeah. things have been ex- are very ineffective against left-handers this year. 
but you know, he's only thrown 96 changeups, 92 of them have been to left-handers and they're hitting up a 542 slugging against it with a 375 batting average. It's pretty ridiculous. I, I think you have to find a way to improve that. Maybe he spends some time and Devin Williams can fix him. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's very much in that realm where you see a guy, he's had success in the rotation. You see all the pieces there. His four-seamer and curveball combination can be very good. And, you know, forces in the pen, as Paul talked about. So I think you still try to make that happen with the expectation that you can make it work. And if it doesn't in May, he's a reliever. And we've seen the Brewers do that in the past by trying to mostly just stay cheap in the rotation is what they're going for. I think they're not going to give up on an opportunity to stay cheap in the rotation with Adrian Hauser when he's been dominant there before. Yeah. And he's got enough good stuff that you you definitely don't give up on, on him as a starter. He can go deep into games and it's a very solvable problem because it's, it's a problem every team has a specialist for developing developing a pitch for same side pitching. Like it's one of those things where if you get a pitch that works for that, it, it'll click pretty good for him because he's good at everything else. It just this season, it's too late. It's not gonna happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Are you worried at all that like he's hasn't really shown strikeout stuff and his controls seem to be kind of to me, that's kind of the bigger red flag is like his strikeouts seem to be down and he's walking a lot more guys this year too. Is it okay to say no because, like, I'm so numb to a 60-game season that I just don't care? That's, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, It's fine that, to say it for that reason, but it's also fine to say it for the fact that there are larger rosters where you can play platoons a lot more. Sure. So he is seeing um, lineups tailored to his weakness much more than he normally would in a regular. Yeah. But we saw the Brewers coming into this season prepared for that exact attack, though, because you have to carry the amount of hitters you do. So is that going away next season when you have a 26 man roster and you have to carry 13 hitters? No, I think it'll stay closer to what we're seeing now than it will go back because right. Most of the guys that are up extra right now are pitchers. I saw a thing on rosters yeah. the other day yep. and it, most teams are carrying more extra pitchers and yeah, most teams do have like the 13 batters. That is true, but they're still carrying like 15 pitchers. So right. So think, next year, it's probably more problematic. It is probably more problematic. Yeah. And also, uh, one of my worries from this season happening in the first place is that it was going to teach a lot of dumb teams a lot of smart lessons. And I, I do think <laughs> that's happened as well. Like, when you have to go deeper into your bullpen and your lineup to get advantages because of the shortened season and the compressed season, people pick up on that quicker. And, you know, most teams in baseball are, are smart about this now. And platoons are very basic. But... You don't always realize how much you can exploit them until you're forced to. And, and now that teams know that, uh, the Brewers have you know been the victims of this too, and you know have been ahead of the curve on victimizing other teams with it. But it's not ever going back. And the fact that you have you know more more arrows to shoot means it's really not ever going back. It, sign of the apocalypse number one to support your point, Paul, is the Angels are three games out of the playoffs. <laughs> oh wow. How did that happen? They must be on a really good run right now. Uh, the bottom of the AL is trash. The Astros um, have not been <laughs> good all and, year. So. And they're playing a lot of bad NL West teams on top of, I mean, yeah, you have the Dodgers and the Padres, but outside of that, everyone in the West has been pretty trash. So I think it's a lot yeah. of that combined with Albert Pujols having the last good year you'll ever see from him. It's not good in the traditional <laughs> sense, but it's good for Pujols like, what good. he's you good know. for Pujols. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of Cardinals or former Cardinals, our next uh, Patreon question is from Adam Post. Talking about the little kerfuffle that Cardinals and the Brewers had in the last week. little recap. Ryan Braun, uh, Yadi Molina's glove. Got called for catcher's interference, which is apparently like only the second time Yachty's ever been called for catcher's interference. Somehow things were said and it devolved into Mike Schultz walking into the Brewers dugout like a crazy person. And it <laughs> it just kind of devolved. So Adam's uh, question here is a little bit tongue in cheek, but he's like, how many gold gloves must a catcher receive to become exempt from catcher's interference calls like Yachty Molina? <laughs> Let's be clear here for a second, because this is I, I've been fired up about this all week. So the quote that Hottercourt had on this is so unbelievably stupid when you consider that Ryan Braun fouled that damn ball off. He fouled the ball yeah. off like he made contact yeah. with the baseball. You can't like by definition, he didn't, do anything. he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> if, you, if you make contact with the baseball, you weren't that late. Like you, you, by definition, you can't be that late. If you, if you actually contacted the baseball, because if, uh. if you were actually that late, you wouldn't make contact with the baseball. So that, and the idea he almost did it like intentionally or something was like the implication for oh, yeah. the Carlos. Like how the hell do you that time was, that? Like, that was the implication. Yes. I ha- I have the quote and oh my God. There is no allegation against Ryan Braun necessarily. It just didn't look good. <laughs> it's the second catcher's interference of a guy who's caught since 2004. There is no allegation against Ryan Braun necessarily. necessarily. And that is just him, first off, backing his guy to a point of insanity, which like yeah. managers are basically going to do, but not all managers. And I, I remember reading in Ken Kaiser's book, I was thinking about this this week. He talked about how Tom Kelly, the former twins manager was really, really good about this. That if a guy like got ejected and, you know, did something stupid and whatever, Kelly would amble out and talk to him and be like, yeah, we'll talk to him about it. And that wasn't okay. And he actually said he got an apology once from a twins player the next day saying like, yeah, yeah I, I, I was out of my head and whatever. But you're never going to get an apology from Yadi or Molina. So he had to come up with this nonsense to back it up. But this is basically just taking to the Cardinals fan base and going, hey, you guys hate Ryan Braun, right? Here, it's Ryan Braun's fault. <laughs> and just like <laughs> tossing the red meat into the lion's cage. That is how we roll, man. Well, the funny thing was, so I, the worst thing you can ever do is tweet out Yadi in a bad name in the baseball Twitter sphere. Because uh, they'll find it and like, just <laughs> rip you, mean, you apart. I think you mean best. Not worth it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. My mentions just go off and it's a bunch of angry Cardinals fans and I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I'd rather laugh at them when someone else is dealing with it. So I tweeted out like, how is Yadi mad at this? And shows like the glove a thousand feet deep into home plate, like reaching <laughs> yeah. out there. And they're all like, no, no, no. He was mad because there was barking. He was mad because they were barking. And I was like, no, he wasn't. What, what are you idiots talking about? Uh, they're like, oh, the Brewers uh, dugout is always squawking about something. So and they were mad about that. Commit catcher's interference. It's a <laughs> yeah. well-known baseball trope. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, they come out and they they say, like, no, we were mad about the catcher's interference. And I was like, mm, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, that, hey guys, was, that just, was great. Well, while we've been talking, I, I ran Hauser numbers. And it, last season, he faced righties in 55% of his plate appearances or his pitching plate appearances. This season, he's faced righties in 41% of his uh, is at bats. There's plate appearances. So teams are definitely stacking up um, opposite the sides book is out. against him. The book is out. Yeah. That's his problem. Other people is his problem, and that's a problem. Pitching lab, <laughs> make your change up good. 
Finn solved. I yep. fixed him. <laughs> but anyway, not to get away from the previous topic because Yadi Molina is a piece of trash and um, my, t- Tony LaRusa is secretly still managing the Cardinals, <laughs> just getting new bodies all the time through some kind of occult practice. And, like he, um, he has a Lazarus pit, and much like he, in Batman, Rasha Ghoul is continuing to spawn again. Rasha Ghoul. <laughs> Tony LaRusa is Rasha Ghoul with a different face. Exactly. Every time. Oh, God. There's there's an episode title if it's not too niche. I don't know. Oh, man. But in a weird way, I kind of miss this kind of stupidity. You know, we, we haven't played the Cardinals all year. So it, it's nice to kind of get the ribbon board, tiny bones in the hand. Yep. Cardinals back. You this know? joins the Pantheon. This joins yep. right up with those. It's it's like Tony La Russa never went anywhere. Like Nashville. We haven't <laughs> played the Cardinals all year because Yadi Molina got COVID. <laughs> and then he took a picture being like, hey, COVID team on his pool table with 18 people in his house. And he's like, no, I was saying we all got COVID and survived it. So now we're stronger for it. And it's like, uh-huh. Yadi, God damn, stop it. Just stop being stupid every day of your life. Benji is the only good Molina. <laughs> that's the <Okay>. episode title <laughs> quick question where do we how do we rank molinas i mean benji first okay what's the other one i forget jose it's gotta okay. be benji oh, okay. jose and then yadi right yeah based on you know the neck tattoo automatically knocks you down one yeah and then yeah Jose is the super good framer, right? He's the one who. Yes. He had no other baseball skills whatsoever, but he could. I like Jose first for that reason (laughs) because Jose was a revolutionary. And uh, then the other two, I don't care. Benji Benji was a classic, like like, bat only. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like one of the innovators of the elite slowness, too. You know, like he He really was notoriously (laughs) slow. Also, hit behind Barry Bonds for most of the Bonds greatness. And I know with lineup protection is not a thing. But maybe if he'd had somebody better than Benji Molina hitting behind him, he wouldn't have walked a billion times. Oh, my God. His FRAA is so bad. It's so bad. It's just a bunch of red ink. It's just covered in red ink. Uh, well, okay. So uh, the Cardinals are evil, and yep. we're that in would- for... Yeah, we're, we're we're talking all sorts of smack about Yachty, so clearly he's going to hit like a walk-off oh. home run. Oh, God. In the game existence. where the Brewers are supposed to be the, the home team with the road team. So I'll, yeah. I'll get a lobotomy just so I don't remember the season. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, I get like, to, yeah. as long as I get to use the meme where the COVID particle is stuck to his chest protector a few times, <laughs> that's all, all I want. <laughs> remember uh, how he uh, obviously has a sticky thing on his mat and like on his chest protector, no one did anything about it? We all make yeah. fun of it. But nobody ever mentions it as like, oh, he's tarnished. Like he used to, you know, it's worse than a corked bat for sure. It it, it affects pitches. Um, if you want to say it's not as bad as steroids, fine. But it's way worse than it gets made out to be. Whoever the person was on quick pitch the next morning, like, was way, way, way making excuses for uh, Yachty in that situation too. Wasn't wouldn't criticize him at all for being like it was like, oh, here, look, here's a thing that happened. No. Yadi Molina is like out of control and insane for thinking that this is somehow like of the fault of someone and it, it, it's complete bullshit and it, you shouldn't be okay with it, but they, they don't want to say anything negative about him either. He, he has like the entire world, like making excuses for him. 
Yep. Wasn't it a lot of like, oh, well, the pitcher's pine tar from his hat or his arm, like there was a lot of that where it was like the pine tar is going to hold for the first time ever so strongly through the pitch that it is going to stick to your chest. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't his hand go with the ball if that was the case? I want to like... busters on this to try and recreate it <laughs> and, and figure out what substance is actually necessary to make it happen because that's it's insane. I, I, everybody just picture right now, like for a major league pitch to stick to something, I mean, that's at least crazy glue. I, I don't know. That's an, it's just nuts. If it was the pitcher's pine tar, like I want the image of like the player swinging, it sticking to the bat and like coming through on the follow. Through. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> anyway, Yadi Molina is a cheat and a scumbag who spits in numb's mouths. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we've gone totally off the rails this week. I'm gonna get fun. flamed so good, hard on good Twitter. analytics-driven cardinal preview, everybody. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> well That's done. I you know, it. we're we we dive deep into the research this is here. Why we don't record app. after Packer games most of the time? <laughs> um, to That's be fair, so true. I wish it wasn't true, but I have not had a drink yet today. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is just all natural, Brad. Pure, pure Brad. Pure All right. I start getting fired up about, about being attacked by the Cardinals fans again, and that fuels the hatred for Yachty because they're like one in the same. Like Yachty is just the god that's getting all the energy from the angry Cardinals fans, and it just pisses me all off. Indeed. Yeah. All right. We got one more Patreon question. Uh, this was from Steve DeRozier, kind of minor league uh, focused here. So Brad and Ryan, feel free to to take this one. But thank God, Brad had- hasn't been drinking. all right steve is asking when the brewers bought the carolina mudcats they indicated they may acquire ownership stakes in other minor league teams steve's asking if mlb ends up running minor league baseball does this make it more or less likely the brewers would acquire an ownership stake in additional minor league teams i guess ryan do you have a thought on that that's really hard to say i don't know enough of the mechanics of it because i could see an argument either direction but i will say that it probably makes it less beneficial from a being able to control what happens with the team and being able to take care of your players and all that, like, because you're going to have so much more control now through MLB running the minor league baseball front office in all probability is the way this is likely headed. It won't put that kind of benefit to it, but as long as it's still profitable, I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to get in on making even more money because that's the whole point of all of this, right? Is to just make a bunch of money (laughs) winning be damned. Mm -hmm. So I think that I could kind of see it either direction, but it it will, it will be less important that they do it from a tactical standpoint, but probably still as profitable. So we'll probably still see it, but it's just a guess. yeah, I, I think Ryan's right, though, with the problem from the MLB negotiations is really all we're getting are headlines. We're not getting intricate details. So we really don't know what the framework of MLB running minor league baseball necessarily looks like and what it ends up giving the organizations in control that they didn't have before. Obviously, it's going to be a benefit or they wouldn't be looking into it. Yep. But it's really until we see what that framework looks like, it's really going to be hard to understand what benefit is lost from owning a team versus gain from owning a team at this point, based on my understanding of it, I think it's kind of a even point. I think there's a lot of reasons that the brewers end up owning a minor league team that end up benefiting it outside of uh, just having a little bit more player control. So 
I, I think there's still the possibility that they could go own more franchises. One of the big things is consistency and location, right? Like the Brewers just have the Mudcats now. That's their organization. They don't have to get any uh, improvements they make to that stadium are theirs to take advantage of. They are not going to help a stadium get remade because it's the worst AAA stadium in baseball and then get booted out for the Oakland A's because their exactly. AAA team's no longer competitive. So <laughs> I think right. that's what you're looking at when you're looking at benefits of uh, owning is that, you know, the Brewers are especially an organization who got scorned pretty hard in the commitments and assistance they gave to helping yep. a team improved and then got kicked out of town. Yeah. Uh, when you control the team, you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. I shouldn't have sold myself short so much on drinking too much because um, this is really a business question and <laughs> the, the, they may very well end up still owning teams. Um, the important things to realize here are control of capital and control of labor negotiations. And, um, when Major League Baseball takes more ownership of minor league baseball, what they're fundamentally able to do is control the expenses that go out to minor league baseball. And minor league baseball has always been very cheap in what they pay everybody um, by virtue of the model that's existed. But now, if they control it, they really have uh, a hammer they can assert to keeping costs in line. And they can realize the benefits of capital expenditures and not lose out on that, which is the situation they were in before. And that's really the situation that that is fixed by this from their perspective. So um, labor is a benefit. It's not like they've had a hard time keeping labor down on the minor league front. But from from the perspective of building up an actual infrastructure, stadium and, you know, even advertising fan base, things like that. It's something that they've had the ability to take away from the major league franchises um, through the, the system that existed before. Now they would. It, not now, but that's something that's going to go away because it hurts the major league team. And the one thing you can rely on major league baseball for is doing what is best for the major league franchises. And if that involves keeping the sort of hammer of anti-competitiveness over them, they'll totally bring them under it. I also think it's more likely now with MLB taking a lot more control of minor league baseball, again, depending on what that framework looks like that there's going to be less of an interest in outside ownership having stakes in that because yeah. their uh, profitability is going to be substantially limited from what it was before. Uh, you know, before you could run as a free enterprise who was given players and could kind of work off of that. Now you're not going to have quite the same liberties that you had before when it came to doing that, especially when we're talking about big money comes in from those agreements to play at stadiums that that's it's a big contract and we don't know what that's going to look like are they going to be assigned now uh, like what is that agreement going mm -hmm. to end up being structured like um, i'm sure baseball would prefer that you have more regional teams for the organization so you know you don't have a random brewers team out in the middle of northern california or northern texas when no one really cares about brewer or like uh, the brewers out there, not that it doesn't exist. And that I think there's an argument to be made that that could build national interest in baseball teams outside of a city, but or outside of the, uh, an area. But at the same time, we know that it's baseball fandom is hyper located and hyper uh, regional. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's a benefit into you are probably going to get more out of minor league baseball. If you have, teams that are with the players of an organization closer to that organization right exactly uh we also have some twitter questions to get to real quick before we wrap up for the week uh we've got jd asking about tyrone taylor 
Uh, obviously going to be playing a little bit more now that uh, Ben Gamble is out for the year with his quad injury. He's saying he's been quite impressed with Tyrone Taylor and thinks he should see more time against right-handed pitchers. I guess, Ryan, your thoughts on his season and 2021, what his role would be going forward. I think he can kind of fill in. He's a good, useful utility bat in that he can fill in at all three spots as needed. I think it's probably not ideal to have him spending too much time in right, but he can do it. And so he he does bring that flexibility. He's also going to be making the league minimum and Ben Gamble will not be. So that, <laughs> I mean, it, it just to be honest and real about this, that's that's going to be a factor as well. I think they still like Ben Gamble. I think they like his versatility and the, you know, just sort of the, the mix of skills that he brings yeah. to the to the table. But I wouldn't be shocked if if Tyrone Taylor ended up replacing him basically on the roster as the you know fourth outfielder utility type guy. We will see. I, there's there's so many moving pieces, it's hard to say exactly, but I, I could see it. I think the thing with that, too, is uh, when you're looking at Ben Gamble, they do have controlled costs. I think they end up being a good, when you're looking at, I mean, the Brewers were almost definitely carrying five outfielders this year, right? So you're looking, especially with Braun, if Braun's gone next year, which is something we'll address later, mm-hmm. um, you're still going to what that five outfielder mix. And we talked about how important the platoon situation is going to be. So having two solid defensive outfielders on your bench, one righty, one lefty, is going to be a beneficial mix-up in a situation like that. So I think you're looking at that. I'm always hesitant to get excited about the performances of former top prospects in September because it seems the Brewers always get like a Mike Adams who comes up and has six uh, starts and Taylor Youngman special. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you're like, next year, this guy's going to be great. And then he just lays a turd everywhere. I mean, Tyrone Taylor obviously is a, a completely different beast in that because he really has been playing the role he's been like before in uh, Major League Baseball and being a utility outfielder who plays a decent replacement defense and I would like to see him get more chances, but I think he, he's serving the role, the exact role the Brewers need from him right now. And I'm happy with that. Absolutely. Completely agree. He has hit his most likely outcome from being the best prospect in a bad system. So many years ago, he could play <laughs> credible center field. He can hit opposite side pitching. Okay. And a perfectly fine fourth outfielder. So that's what he is. And that's what he'll be going forward. And Gamble still has that option, right? Um, uh, good question. Yes, he, he does have an option. Sure. He has a okay, yeah, he has option. a minor league option. Taylor has a minor league option, and I know they have a club option for like 1.4 million again next year on Gamble. Um, I think it was two years of the same salary. Yeah, so they yeah. they can do different things with this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, you guys mentioned it—the possibility of Ryan Braun not being in Milwaukee next year, you know, we were talking at the top of the show, what could be his last at bat at Miller park happening on Sunday. Uh, he was talking uh, before Sunday's games. It sounded like he was kind of making sure to kind of take everything in just in case it was his last go around. Uh, so I guess, well, first of all, we have a Twitter question from at I'm here for brewers, which is a great pun for a Twitter handle. That. Yeah. Uh, they're asking, does Ryan Braun tie his hair? And for, it's looking real black lately. Uh, maybe he's getting old. Who knows? Also, uh, how important has he been lately? So he has been on kind of a tear again in September. 
coming into Sunday. I think he had homered in three of four games. So uh, obviously still flashing something, Paul, I guess. Do you see him still sticking around next year? I know we've been talking for weeks about like <laughs> declining the option and bringing him back at a lower price. Do you think yep. he could still play next year? Yeah. First of all, he definitely dyes his hair. Um, I'm, an old, <laughs> I'm an old man and I know what old man hair looks like. And uh, it, you know, your baseball player, you, you have these options available to you. You have a lot of resources <laughs> to draw from. Um, you can still look good. So that's what he does for sure. Um, and I think that there is an increasing possibility he'll be back next year. I think that will decline his option. I think that's a foregone conclusion. They're not going to shell out option money for him, but it's going to be a tight market. And while money is usually everything in baseball, I think that the Brewers will bring him back for a respectable sum of money and that there is no place that Ryan Braun can go where he will be it, have as quality, high a quality of life as with Brewers, where everybody's right. used to Ryan Braun. With, they've already dealt with the steroid thing and have gotten past it. And, you know, when you see Ryan out on the town, I'm sure he gets harassed a little bit here and there. But for the most part, it's like, oh, it's Ryan Braun. I'm going to leave him alone. Or, hey, he's good. Yay. Or whatever. So there are a lot of non-monetary reasons for him to come back. I think that with salaries being constricted for people with limited skill sets, that that's a very likely thing to happen. So um, I hope he's back. I like watching Ryan Braun. I've, I've gotten past it like a lot of Milwaukee people have. And uh, I, I think it's very likely to happen. Here's what's going to happen. He is going to be, they're not going to pick up the option. Nope. And he is going to be a free agent. And yep. you'll hear him talking to some teams. He'll, yep. he'll talk to LA. He'll, you know, maybe, maybe he'll talk to the Marlins a little bit. But you'll hear him connected to teams. But it'll just be chatter. And then... In about, oh, say the first week of March, all of a sudden <laughs> you will start hearing all this talk of, oh, the Brewers would really like to have him back. And they have uh, money left and still could definitely use like a DH outfielder to uh, to add to their roster. And Ryan Braun will be like, sure, let's go ahead and do that. And I don't want to be there for the first three weeks of camp anyway. So fantastic. Great. I'll, I'll show right. up and get ready when it matters. So I, that is what's going to happen. And I, I do think we're going to see him back with the team next year with the one caveat that, and I, I don't think there's really any doubt this is going to happen, but they need to have a DH for that to really be uh, practical. Mm, yeah. And I, I think they will. So, but they'll, they'll need him to potentially be like uh, the left-handed uh, bashing platoon partner of yep. totally. uh, Dan Vogelbach who I do think is probably likely to come back now. So just because they don't have to pay him anything. So, and yeah. he's done so League well, minimum. so you might as well just do it. Yeah. He's not going into arbitration. <laughs> when he goes into arbitration, he barely hits. So he's not getting any money. And first off, Ryan Braun is easily the most vain brewer. So there is no damn way he doesn't dye his hair. <laughs> I mean, look at those awful t-shirts he made. Ah, <laughs> uh, the red tees. Uh, but when you look at him, he is still in the top 75 percentile for a lot of important rankings in MLB when it comes to batted ball uh, statistics. Uh, baseball Savant has him at 91st percentile for expected batting average, 86th percentile for expected slugging. He barrels 80 or like in the 83rd percentile. He still is a good at bat. He's not, we all know 2011 Ryan Braun's gone and dead, but he still is a quality bat. And if the DH is back next year, that's going to 
make it pretty easy to justify. Uh, we've said on the podcast before, decline the option, that's $4 million, one year, $5 million deal. You're basically paying one year, $9 million for Ryan Braun. That sounds about right. We've said it time and time again. Uh, if he has a good season, he he picked up through the season. Brewers like advanced analytics. His advanced analytics are good. Um, and the fourth and fifth outfielders we just talked about who are controllable have very friendly team options and contracts that you can manipulate as you see fit. So uh, the only thing going down with Ryan Braun is he swings and misses more, uh, but still doesn't strike out as much, and he uh, can't run for crap anymore. But he right. still runs faster than Jerko. <laughs> or Benji Molina. Yeah, I, I'm I'm watching the Brewers post game now, and and Braun's up talking, and there's there's definitely some just for men action going on there. It's <laughs> it doesn't look natural. I feel it, like his hair color was lighter years ago, but you know this, what do I know? Doesn't it feel like 2006 to finish off the season in the Bear in Chicago, like like type interviews with Braun, like mm-hmm. like like it's very Brewers Favre is now like i don't know i, I don't know I'll, I'll have to go home sit well, yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll be very brett far for the next couple of years braun coming back on one one year contracts like ryan said oh i i don't know and then suddenly st patrick's day or so you know i'm getting the itch to play again yeah. i could definitely see myself coming back well, so we yeah. just need to watch out for if ryan braun buys a riding lawnmower for his malibu estate then we'll know <laughs> that he's gone full farve Uh, what i want is uh like constant plane tracking of ryan braun (laughs) (laughs) i am not doing that yeah oh my god uh but the one thing i say confidently is if ryan braun is back next year it is his last year as a brewer and I say that very confidently. Yeah, I think that he probably wasn't going to come back, uh, but because of this year being so weird and just not wanting to, like, would you really want that to be your last game of your career at Miller Park? Like, that just seems no. Yeah, and I mean, he w- he was even saying like it it felt definitely weird to do this without anybody in the stands for for all the moments that he's had at Miller Park. I think you you definitely selfishly i'm sure he wants that one last standing ovation but also like you know as fans you kind of want to see it too you know one last go around in front of in front of actual people do you want your last home game as a brewer to be in st louis <laughs> no <laughs> there you go. wow that would yeah that, that is, is true something. that's a, a a technicality technically correct <laughs> best kind of correct the brewers would be the home team <laughs> in the last doubleheader game yeah it, that's true uh, one more Twitter question question from Jaster Muriel asking if the transcontinental railroad had never been built, how much longer would it have taken to settle in the West? Brad, go ahead. You seem to have thoughts on this. I think what you have to understand is there's already a lot of settlement going on. The mm-hmm. difficulty was is the trans- transcontinental railroad. What it really established was uh, through round year trips over there because the trip over the mountains was so deadly if you didn't right. leave in April or May. Mm-hmm. So you ended up having uh, such a limited time to get over to the West and actually settle in, especially California more than anything else. Uh, so making that trip uh, was so difficult. Once you had the railroad, it became much more accessible and having the round year trip. So it, I mean, it was already being settled and pretty heavily. It just uh, maybe wouldn't have boomed like it had without the transcontinental railroad. I mean, it really just filled in in the middle anyway, because you already had the West Coast had already sort of boomed 
early and then you have the filling of the middle of the country because right. of the the expansion of the railroads allowing farmers to be able to get their crops to market much more efficiently so it wasn't just the, the transcontinental railroad itself it was the entire network of railroads that was a really much bigger deal to settling the rest of the country all true i mean the, the railroad was much more important for trade than it was for actually settling um people were already in the frontier mindset and the manifest destiny mindset to actually go out there it really the the, the railroad made the whole country more of a, an economic power by virtue of being able to exchange goods more easily than it did by moving people around. You may have a little bit different um, influences had that not happened earlier. You'd probably have more north-south trade, maybe experienced some of the, the downslide that happens from having to go on the north-south climate settlement versus the east-west climate settlement where things are a, bit, a little bit more regulated temperature-wise. may have slowed down the United States growth a little bit for that reason. But generally speaking, uh, for settlement purposes, it wasn't that big a deal that it developed that quickly. And it's unlikely that it would have been slowed that much because general technology development would have allowed it to happen within a few decades, even had government not pushed the project through through legislation and taking control of the railroad system through the Interstate Commerce Clause. Although <laughs> the way that that defined law and legal um, <clears throat> Supreme Court um, jurisprudence through the next 50 to 100 years, still to this day, can't really be understated. So hope that answered your question. <laughs> James, your thoughts on it? I love this show. I don't know. <laughs> uh, see, we could even break down the the economic impact of the Transcontinental Railroad, something uh, I just 200 years say, old. I think when we all read that question, we thought Brad is going to have nothing to contribute on that. And I am proud <laughs> no. that I did. <laughs> Far from it. Far from it. I, um, I'm just so glad that we can we can all speak so eloquently on the importance of that underrated moment in U.S. history. I actually highly recommend the book, The Indifferent Stars Above. It's a great telling of the uh, Dahmer party and trying to get through that pass and the repercussions of actually leaving too late. The Donner party? Of, yeah, the Donner party. Do Donner party, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said Dahmer party. You, you did say Dahmer party. Man. Whatever, they oh all ate people. Six of them. Oh my uh, the, God. The predecessors of the St. Louis Cardinals eating babies and such. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. Yeah. Sorry, I accidentally screwed up my vowel. Ryan, <laughs> sorry we don't have all immaculate pronunciation of our consonants. G, thanks for embarrassing me. At least I didn't call Ben Gamble Matt Gamble, but whatever. <laughs> by, by calling the Donner Party the Dahmer Party <laughs> is really like, a, that's an awful I mean, it's, time. It's the you same thing. Cannibals, man. It's fine. It's... Look, a, ca a cannibal is a cannibal is... I, I'm really kind of at a loss here for an episode title. I anybody who's still listening at this point is like, there's there's a lot of different directions we could go with this, and it's going to be very different. Yeah, a cannibal is a cannibal is really tempting. Uh, I would like to. I believe that I have uh, the lead when it comes to episode titles. Yeah, do we have episode title started. standings? We need to. Keep, we need to keep track of it. I take great pride whenever I create one on accident, and I thought I was winning, but we should actually do a statistical breakdown of it. So. Maybe. Maybe next week or, yeah. or in the off season when we don't have Brewers. I know Paul's the close yeah. one. I, yeah. I would guess we're within two titles of each other. That, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, if you have something you want us to talk about, whether it's the Brewers or important historical events in the mid 1800s, <laughs> we put out a call for questions every week on our Twitter account at MKE Tailgate. Just reply to that tweet with your question, or you can follow each of us on Twitter. Send us questions directly. Ryan is at RD Top. 
Paul is at Badger Noonan. Brad is at Brew Crew Blue. And I'm at James L. Uh, we also put those questions out on our Patreon page. And as a reminder, you sign up as a patron, you get question priority. So take that into account as well. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, wherever you listen to your podcast, please do subscribe to us while you're there. Please leave us a review and help other people find us as well. In the meantime, thanks all for listening this week. It was a lot of fun this week. Uh, we will find out what the Brewers' fate for the 2020 season will be in the next week or so. We'll break it down next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. There Industrial Revolution was the worst revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another damn episode title that yeah. I'm just thinking there. And it's, oh man. Um, I so far have great maybe, poster. maybe Devin Williams can fix him was the early one that I thought was, that's funny. That's um, good. Benji is the only good Molina. Was <laughs> also good. I was love that the, one for, for Cardinals week. That's got to yep. be it, right? And, and, yeah. But a cannibal is a cannibal. I mean, there's a lot going for that one because somebody's going to see that and go, "What in the ever loving hell is going on in this podcast?" I'd love to stick around to the end to hear it, so we'll get that uh, that sweet, sweet uh, uh, listening to the end for it. Anybody who wants yep. to know what that was about? Indeed. <laughs> oh my when you said Dahmer party, I almost, Dahmer party I almost god. lost my goddamn mind <laughs> that has actually been a uh, very long standing mistake of mine <laughs> oh my god that's the most embarrassing part is like I know the correction some of us mix up the gambles no, some of us mix up our cannibals it's, it's okay it's <laughs> There's another episode title. Some of us mix up our gambles. Some of us mix up our gambles. <laughs> 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 uh, we have fun.